Hey, dude, this dog like stinks, man. Okay, groomer, do something about it, man. you pet stylists, you found the Groom Pod. Welcome to our virtual salon. My name is Susie and I'm your host. I'm a mobile groomer from Seattle, Washington, and anyone who knows me will tell you I love to talk, especially about my job. One of my favorite people to talk to is my friend and mentor and co-star of the show, Miss Barbara Bird. Hello groomers. Hi Susie. What's up? What's up, Barbara Bird, is that we have a special guest on with us today. Jennifer Bishop Jenkins is with us. And welcome to episode 309 of the Groom Pod, recorded on September 5th, 2021, in Snohomish, Washington, Tucson, Arizona, and kind of near Chicago, Illinois. This podcast is brought to you by listener support for our kind sponsors, Best Shot, Show Season, Evolution Shears, The Absorber, Stasco, and Chewy. This week on The Groom Pod, we're going to have a conversation with Jennifer Bishop Jenkins, the author of Groomer's Guide to 15 Coat Types. And if we have time, we'll talk about the iGroom Prebiotics line. Barbara, let me tell you a little story about the Absorber Towel. The Absorber Towel from DogLoversTowel.com is changing my world, and I think you should know about it. The Absorber feels like a magic eraser, and a chamois had a baby, but you use it like a sponge. Get it wet, blot off the pet, squeeze the water down the drain, and repeat. It's like magic. Dogs dry more quickly because they start out drier. Saves laundry costs because I'm not washing any more terry cloth towels. Saves space, too, especially for mobile and house call groomers. Just soak them in vinegar and water between pets. To clean the absorber, toss it in the wash and let it air dry. Then wet it when you're ready to use it again. I cut them in half to make them easier to wring out. You can find the absorber towel at dogloverstowel.com. And if you use GroomPod as the coupon code when you place your first order, you will get 10% off. I totally had a wacky nail trim this week. It was wacky. It was bizarre. It was a crazy lady. Holy crap, people need to get out of their houses. That's all I can say. I got a phone call. Actually, it wasn't a phone call. It was a message from next door which is both a blessing and a scourge to me because I don't have any room to put anybody else in there. But I get a message. I have a really nervous seizure cocker spaniel, and I was wondering if I could just get a nail trim. And I'm like, oh, sure, no problem. 40 bucks. I'm on it. And she said, okay. And we made the appointment. Well, I'm at my last appointment, and I sent her the I'm on my way message. And she said, oh, Bogey had a seizure. He had a seizure earlier today. I heard it out there, and I think he's far too stressed to have his nails done. And I'm like, okay, going home early. No problem. We'll reschedule. I turn around, and I start heading back to home, and I get another message from her. Could you do him in the house? And I'm thinking, well, I was going to do him in the house. I'm not going to drag him out to the trailer, a seizure dog for a nail trim. And I said, yeah, I can do him in the house. Or she said, or we could do him on the porch. And I said, yeah, we could do on the porch. Meanwhile, I've pulled over and started to replan my go back to her house route. <laughs> and because I'm looking at my schedule and there's just nowhere else to put it. So I get over there and she doesn't have a harness on the dog and the dog is overweight, but he's very active and he gets one with me and I swear I recognize the dog. You know how you remember all of the dogs you've really ever had your hands on? I swear this was a dog who had really long eyelashes and I cut him off once when he was young, probably 10 years ago. The patterning, that he's a tricolored cocker. I mean, it just was too coincidental. Needless to say, she told me a story of how she had gotten a dog from a relative or something. So it's possible. I did not remember her. 
well, she says, can I give him treats while you're doing the nail trim? And I'm like, okay, no problem. Thinking he's just going to lay down and she's going to feed him treats and I'm going to trim the nails. Well, the dog won't settle down whatsoever. So he's walking around her kitchen and she's following him around going, here, bogey, come here, bogey, come on, bogey, come here, bogey, here, bogey. <laughs> I just want to go home at this point. Is $40 worth it? I'm not so sure. You know, here, bogey, here, bogey. So he finally gets up on the couch and I said, perfect, hold him on the couch right there. I'm coming. Lay him over. I do two nails. He goes, oh shit, I know what she's here for. Hops off the couch and disappears. So I say to her, how about if you grab his collar and a leash and that way you can hold him still while I do my thing. And she goes, okay. She goes out to the garage and I swear I see the dog follow her. I think I see the dog follow her out, right? She comes back in, no dog following her. She's like, bogey, bogey, where are you, bogey? And she's, she goes, I don't know where he could have gone. And I said, well, I think he followed you in the garage. And she goes, oh, no, he can't do that. Okay, I don't know what to say. So she goes upstairs, call every looks under the bed that he could no way fit under, looks behind the couch that there's not a chance he could have gone into, his opening closet doors as if he's gone through the closet, right? And I say again, you know, I really think he went outside <laughs> into the garage with you. Five minutes later, she comes back downstairs and I hear this. <coughs> and I said, I hear him out there. <laughs> so she opens the garage door and he toddles in with his tail wagging like he was so proud of himself. So she puts the harness on the dog. You would think this is the end, right? She puts the harness on the dog and hangs on to it. And I do three nails. Then she lets the dog go. And so now she's chasing the dog around with the harness. And I'm thinking I should have just taken the dog to the trailer because now the dog is stressed. Now we're stressing the freaking dog out. I finally get her to grab the dog. I do the nails. We let him go. And she starts to tell me about his life history and where he came from. And I'm like, can you just give me the cash? And finally she goes, oh, you probably want to go. I swear, half an hour. Half an hour I was oh, there for a five-minute nail trim. Oh, it was horrible. Ah, alas, I got my $40 and a $5 tip, and I was able to get home last night. But you just never know who you're going to run into. I think the fee to that should have been 100 It probably should have. <laughs> probably should have. Well, yeah, anything and- happened to you this week that was fun? I have a big announcement to make. Do you? And I had an interesting thing that it had a development. Oh. At my at my salon, aka my shop. So let me tell you about the shop. I was uh, in the bathroom, and in the the bathroom of my shop is a pit. My shop is a pit, but the bathroom is really a pit. And some many years ago, we had some plumbing problems, and the handyman of the day drilled a big round hole in the floor, and all of the plumbing from the tub and the sink and the toilet goes through a pipe into this hole that there's no way to kind of block it. So I went to the bathroom and I turned around facing the wall to pull up my pants and I looked at the hole and this little face Uh peered in the hole in the floor. (laughs) It was a bigger face than a mouse. It was a furry face, and I didn't look too closely. I just beat it out of there. I said, Dave, there's a creature in the hole. <laughs> he said, yeah, I think it's been eating my snacks. So the next day, I'm in the bathroom, and I've got some, I don't know, I, I've got something up against the wall, and I see this tail end going in behind this thing that I've got up against the wall and it's white. white. And then behind that I see another critter that's just like your regular gray sort of mouse or a rat thing, regular kind of feral creature. But I see this white rump going in there. I said, Dave, there's a creature in here that has a white ass. He said, Oh, it's the brown and white rat. That sounds like it might be a pet. Well, yeah. And I had already told Yvonne about the furry face in the plumbing. 
and she had already brought in this killer rap capture box, probably got glue in it, you know? Oh. And I said, boy, I sure don't like that thing. And then when Dave said, it's a white and brown rat, I said, we ain't killing this rat. And of course, Yvonne doesn't understand that at all because she thinks we're going to have 101 rats. And I said, no, we're not killing this rat. I named the rat Ray Rat. (laughs) I love it. And in order to keep him from getting into trouble, I pack him a lunch. (laughs) I bought stuff and I improvised stuff. So, you know, like the first day I gave him peanut butter crackers that I buy for myself. And I, you know, gave him about three of those sandwiches uh, kind of cut into pieces and he loved that. And then the next day I did some shopping and I would giving him corn nuts and uh, cat treats, which are different shapes and everything. The cats love them. And some dog food kibble and cheese cubes that I have mm. for Belle and potato chips because he gets into the potato. He loves potato chips. <laughs> and I had had a conversation with Susie about what rats like. So I thought this was a nice little kind of bento box. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So I even looked online. I wanted to find a little tiny lunchbox that I could go in the (laughs) shop. So, you know, like, so I had the box of lunch for Ray Rat in a plastic bag. And I didn't want to feed him in front of Yvonne. She has these frantic tidying up moments where she'll like just grab something she thinks is trash and throw it away. Well, she grabbed my bag with the rat lunch in it and she was going to toss it. I said, don't you throw that away. What's in there? I said, well, it's Ray's lunch. (laughs) She said, I'm going to give him two days. Meanwhile, I put him on next door and um, there's a a woman on next door that has two rats that says she'll take it. Uh-uh. But I'm not in a hurry. I just said, have some patience. You know, if we get baby rats, we'll deal with that. But I'm not killing this rat that might be somebody's pet. I appreciate that as a rat owner. As a rat owner, you know, like, come on. These animals are smart and personable personable Mm -hmm. and so on and so on and just let me feed him well yesterday we had a young border terrier in for hand stripping Uh oh man she came through the gate in the front and went right into the back and right over to the tub where the rat kind of hangs out she just was right on it you know i said "Ooh, get her off the floor Yvonne said, well, I had to kind of rescue Ray Rat. (laughs) Why didn't you call him Ray? I said, because it goes with Rat. It does. Mm -hmm. Ray Rat is a cool name. It's a very cool name. So, So what's the big announcement? The big announcement is that Beyond Suds and Scent is back in print. My book is back in print. And huge shout out. For Allie Franklin at Groomers Mall slash Groomers Mart, because she offered to print it for me. And my copy of the new printing came yesterday, and it is such an upgrade. Nice. Same information, same old 206 version of the book, but it is such a better product. It is really heavy stock paper. It's all bound perfectly it's so much better than anything i've ever printed myself you know i had to have a total breakdown with her and didn't fulfill an order instead of just asking for help i don't want to print the books anymore i had to have a whole loss of integrity groomersmart.com 39.95 brand new printing of the same old book and it's a great product, and I am just so delighted that it's off of my shoulders. They're just going to send me money. 
<laughs> They're going to sell the book and send me money. And of course, my next question, Jennifer, is does she want to do another book? And I should do the other book with her. Yes. No. Yeah, you should do a book. You should do, I mean, you should, yes. My customer service book needs to be out there. Yes. You know? Yes. We agree. Jennifer and I both agree. Yes. You better get on that. <laughs> No, that's really cool. Do you think they would ship to Canada and Australia? Those are some of the places that people have been dying to get that book. You just have to pay extra postage. You you probably ought to have it have them set it up on their website that for international shipping, there's a higher price. So it's an extra $5 if it's in North America. And if it's internationally, it's going to be an extra 15 or $20 at least. Check on Groomers Mart or is that at Groomers Mall or Groomers Mart? Groomers Mart, I think is what they're really encouraging now. Okay. Groomersmart.com. Just search for books and then scroll down to Beyond Suds and Scent and there she will be. Oh, I'm glowing with pride. How exciting is this? So you know what's really a lot of pressure? And I'm talking about a ton of pressure. Writing an introduction for a teacher, for someone who could grade my introduction, check my syntax, my pronunciation, all of it. Man, I worked hard on that introduction. I rewrote it. I read it to my husband. Should we move on to our big first appointment? What do you think? Yep. Okay. First, we'll hear from our sponsor. Let me tell you about the newest thing from Best Shots Ultramax Pro line. I'm seriously stoked about these products. First up is Ultramax Hair Hold Spray. It's a mindfully created aerosol-free styling spray. It's flexible and can be layered on for a stronger hold. It's quick drying and has the Ultramax Delicate Sweet Pea Fragrance. Next up is my favorite new product in a long time. It's called the Max and I love it to the max. It's a fragrance-free, ultra-concentrate conditioner and detangler. It's so concentrated that one small bottle makes 10 quarts. It reduces drying time, extends manageability, and aids you in achieving optimal coat performance. Mats and tangles brush away more easily, and it turns your recirculator into a de-shedding machine. Just a few drops in the final rinse or spray it on and dry it in. It's amazing. Check it all out at ultramaxpro.com and see why Barbara and I are so excited. That's ultramaxpro.com. Contact your favorite Best Shot distributor and order some Max and Hair Hold Spray today. For over 30 years, Best Shot has been making masterpieces out of nightmares in record time. Made from the best stuff on earth. Ready, groomers? Here comes our first appointment. Our guest today is first and foremost an educator of people. She retired from a three-decade teaching career and moved into her next evolution as a groomer, although she was no stranger to grooming. Jennifer started showing and grooming dogs in 1980 and became a certified master groomer under Pam Lawrenson in 1985. Seven years ago, she retired and opened her own grooming shop. As a teacher, she couldn't help but notice the lack of standardization of terms for coat types, and with her breeding and showing background, she created the Guide to the 15 Coat Types. Jennifer lives in Northern Illinois with her husband, Bill, also an educator, and their five dogs and two cats. And an interesting note about these two is they are gun violence victim rights advocates, and they met in a support group when they each lost family members to violence. That's a tough one. Welcome to the Groom Pod, Jennifer. Thank you. It is the hugest honor, honestly, of my speaking, grooming, teaching career to actually be on the Groom Pod. I feel like now I have finally arrived. You're here. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Very excited, too. I just was so pleased to hear your presentation. Uh, a few months ago with the uh, summit uh, and I just am fascinated with your work. How did you ever get involved in this? You know, I'm a dog show person who I've been a high school history teacher and taught part-time college and stuff for, you know, for three decades and um, showing dogs and just, it was always obvious to me that when you're a dog show person, you know, if it's a wire coated breed, you're going to hand strip it. And if it's a double coated dog, you're not going to shave it. 
And if it's a, you know, poodle, you're going to stretch dry it. And, you know, you're going to do different things for different coat types, right? You're going to do what is appropriate to that unique coat type. And, and so it was always, you know, it was never a, a challenge to me that I would do that. Uh, I would groom part-time summers, weekends, holidays for, for decades, just uh, for extra money. Because you know, teachers aren't paid very well. And um, uh, when I retired from uh, teaching, I my daughter suggested, she said, mom, teach me how to groom. And so I had to open a shop in order to do that. By the way, she's a very good groomer, Amanda Jenkins. Um, and um, I opened Love for Dogs in Glencoe, Illinois, which is a suburb north of Chicago, near where my husband and I live. And um, it's just exploded. It's, uh, you know, by June of 2015, Chicago Tribune said I'm the best groomer in Chicagoland. I don't, you know, I, I don't think I'm better than all the other great groomers in Chicagoland. I do know that I've really decided that my shop is going to do things right. Like I don't take in, um, you know, if somebody brings me a Scotty puppy that is, you know, four months old for its first grooms, I'm going to start working to the hand stripping. I'm not going to shave it. Um, there are some times when you get an eight-year-old schnauzer that's been, sh you know, shaved all its life that you're going to, um, you're going to have to continue that. But I have tried right from the get-go to stand for things, to be on principle, to be about what's best for the dogs and to not be in this, you know, primarily for the money, but primarily because I really want to be of service to dogs and to, and to educate. And so I take time with every client to talk to them about what their dogs need. I do a, this wonderful little puppy orientation for all the young new clients. Um, and, I, and, and on principle, I will not shave double-coated animals. I, will not, um, I won't do anything that's going to hurt a dog if it requires a little extra effort, a little extra time on my part to get, get it right for the animal, I'm going to do that. So um, what struck me the most is that as I started to teach staff to groom, I'm looking at books for, you know, grooming all the books that are out there. We all know the, the good books that are out there, but they were all saying different things. And I would get a lot of my student trainees that would say to me, um, you know, this teacher in this book says X and this book's calls it why and what is it you know what's the you know what's the right answer and of course I would always say to them grooming is art as well as science and so there is going to be differences of opinion certainly on the art but on the science there shouldn't be and that's why Barbara Bird is the ground on which I walk the shoulders on which I stand <laughs> the um, you know that's why she's like literally my biggest hero in the grooming industry because you were the first Barbara you were the first to be the, the, the voice of science in, in, our, in our art, our field of art. And um, so, and I'm, you know, I'm high school history and science teacher, so I'm, I'm all about the science. So I started trying to um, train my students, but I couldn't, you know, I couldn't even get the books to agree. What do you call a Newfoundland's coat? Is it a thick coat? Some books call it a heavy coat. I'm calling it a long double coat. I, I, I started looking for anything in print because, you know, the first person to publish gets the credit for it. Um, I started looking for any lists of any coat types that were in print. Now, um, Melissa Verplank's Notes from the Grooming Table second edition has one, but the first edition did not back in that before the second edition came out. There was no list there. I finally found the first book ever to publish coat types. It was Carla Addington Smith, 30 years ago, wrote a book called Introduction to the Foundations of Dog Grooming. It was a bather brusher handbook for students of hers. It had tests in it and everything. But in that, she had a chapter on seven different coat types. And she called, you know, double coats. She had the short, uh, the, the short and the long. Um, curly coats, uh, flat coats, which would be like your golden retrievers, your cavaliers, uh, things with a flat lying back and then a skirt or furnishings underneath, your springers, your setters. Um, she had, so double coat, two kinds, curly coat, wire coats, um, the, the flat coats, then, and then she got into um, smooth coats, the short or smooth that she called the shorter smooth coats. So there were seven and I 
know that there's actually more differentiations than that. So I actually contacted her and said, can I create a list based on your seven and expand it? And so that's what I did um, for one thing. And I made the differentiation based on grooming differences. It's not necessarily all just minor genetic differences. It's, it's actually in how you groom them as well. For example, I made the corded coat one of the categories. Um, I, to, when I expanded my list uh, to 15, ultimately the corded coat was one of them. Well, you can cord a curly coat. You can cord a, 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 a wire coated if it's like a, a you know, loose, long one. Like you can cord a Bouvier's coat if you want to. You can, um, there's a lot of different, you can cord a poodle, you can cord an Afghan. So um, I knew that it was going to be about how you groomed it as well as how the texture and length and genetics of the coats were as well. So, but it was about the 15 grooming coat types. And so the first thing I did was I took the double coats and I split it into four categories. She had two, the short double coats, which would be like a Labrador retriever where you would do zero trimming whatsoever. There would be no need anywhere on the body for trimming. You would just de-shed nails, you're done. Um, then the medium double coat, which I show Australian shepherds, German shepherds, Shelties, I've shown uh, a lot of herding group dogs, a medium double coat I defined as a dog that has like uh, an Australian shepherd that has a ruff around its neck. It has pantaloons. It has a little bit of a skirt underneath and fuzzy feet and maybe fuzzy ears that might need some trimming. So some trimming around ears, feet, you know, uh, maybe the pantaloons or maybe the, the, the belly um, after a long period of time. So medium double coats, then long double coats would be Newfoundlands, Bernie's Mountain Dogs, um, Shelties, the Rough Collies, um, lots and lots of hair that could be trimmed. You know, you can take a scissor along the underline of a Newfoundland. You can take a scissor along the underline of a Collie. You're going to do uh, some, you can do some trimming around the edges. You're still not going to cut into the main torso and the, and the undercoat. So, um, so short, medium, long. And then the fourth category of double coat um, was uh, the primitive or triple coat. It's not a double coat. It's actually a triple coat. So the primitives would be your Samoyeds, your Huskies, Chow Chows, dogs that have that extra layer of undercoat. So I knew that there was grooming differences in all three of, in all four of those. And then I divided the curly coats into three. Um, curly, like Poodle and Bashan. Wavy, which would be like your Portuguese water dog of the wavy variety or your, I don't know, um, soft-coated Wheaton Terriers um, or so on. Uh, and then the rustic or primitive curly coat, which is your Legoto Romagnolos and your Spanish water dogs. And those are the only two breeds I know of that have that. Um, and those are groomed entirely differently. You would let them dry do all your grooming either before the bath and then bathe them and let them air dry. The main thing is you don't want to let, you don't want to break up that coat ringlets, the hard ringlets uh, in the drying process. So all of my Legotos, I pre-groom them entirely, including scissoring. I brush them, I comb them, I scissor them, I set the pattern and then I let them dry. So that was a, that was that kind of coat. So I started dividing these up and I, and I had this big debate about divide, dividing the wire coats. Are there, is there one kind of wire coat or are there two? And there's the rough and the broken. Um, and I've decided that they're sort of similar. There's a lot of great expert voices like Scott Wasserman that have been in my ear saying, you know, it's all hand stripping and they're all the same. But um, there is a difference in breed standards. You know, the AKC will say there's your your, your rough-coated um, uh, wire coats, like the Russell Terrier, comes in rough and in broken. Um, there were several breeds of, of AKC where it says rough and broken, and broken is just less. It's more like a double-coated, short double-coated dog with just some wire on top of it. So there was definite differences. And I, the li list includes the corded and then the big catch-all category, the combination coat, the long coats, Long coats are your Yorkies, your Shih Tzus, um, Maltese, and things like that, where the hair hangs long and straight. So 
I came out with a list of 15 and I just started teaching it to my students. And then I did a workshop at the All-American here in Chicago area one year. And it just kind of grew from there. And somebody suggested that, you know, people started saying, oh, can I get a copy of your list? And um, so I um, came out last year, uh, this year, I should say, with a poster, um, a visual, a graphic organizer that connects the um, genetic information, undetermined length and predetermined length. You know, all of the, the biggest category of the two of the coat types is what I call fur versus hair. Um, it's the undetermined length genetics. So like a hair grows to a certain length and stops. So that would be like a German shepherd or a husky, right? That hair grows to a certain length and stops. And then you have the hair type dogs, poodles and, you know, long coats and so on, where the hair grows and grows and grows until you cut it. So UDL, undetermined length hair, and PDL, predetermined length hair, much easier to say hair and fur. It was actually Billy Rafferty that suggested that name, hair and fur, in his book, Happy Dog, that he wrote for Oprah. You know, he was Oprah's groomer. He was a big Chicago area master groomer who wrote, who became famous with Oprah because he was Oprah's groomer, still is to this day. And he calls it fur versus hair. So I divide all coat types into those two categories genetically of fur versus hair. And then, then the 15 different differentiated ways of grooming them based on um, what they're made up of. And there really is a major difference between the shampoos, the products that you would use, the techniques. So I, I argue that three things should be differentiated per dog, products, tools, and techniques. You would not use the same thing on a boxer as you would on a Yorkie, as you would on a Samoyed. They are different. And so if I've made any splash in the grooming industry, it's because I just started saying, we need a list. We need standardized terminology. We need to be like lawyers and doctors who have a jargon in their industry where everybody, yeah, like you say habeas corpus to a lawyer, they know what you're talking about, right? We should be able to say, yeah, that code type is X and here's what you're supposed to do with it. And nobody ever put it out like we need to standardize this. We need to make an official list, leave it to the high school teacher here to say, you know what, we need a list and we need to have some agreement about it and we need to have it based on the science. And so that's it. So um, in, your, in your webinar, I loved your slides and your, your teacher background really came through on that, on how you visualized your information. And it, it was just terrific. Um, you know, people are all visual learners. Most people are, are primarily visual learners. And if you show them, if I describe a, a golden retriever's coat as opposed to show them a picture up close, there's a real, you can really see the difference. The other thing I did, of course, is I put the history in it, which was my role. You know, history is my big thing. I, I wanted people to know that the reason why these coat types are different, there's a reason why the flat coat of a golden retriever was developed. It serves a purpose. It had to be a jump in and out of the water, shake it off kind of coat because they're retrievers, but they also were running around in these upland grasses, flushing game, and they, they're, they're running around under scratchy ground where there's burrs and brushes and things underneath. So they give them extra coat on their belly and they make their top part of their back wash and wear, leap in the water, shake it off and so it's a perfect coat for its function. And a lot of people that had been grooming for decades saw the slideshow and said, oh, I never thought about that there's an actual reason why this coat is this way and why you would, you're perfectly fine to cut the skirting on a golden retriever. But if you, sh if you take a clipper to its back, you're going to wreck the coat. You've got two different coats going on there. One on the back, one on the top, and one on the underneath. And that was a big, like, I cannot tell you how many groomers in my audiences said, wow, I never thought about that. Like I can trim the skirt of a golden retriever, but I shouldn't be taking a clipper to its jacket area. So what, what category would the long-haired dachshund 
So that is technically a flat coat by, by the definition that we've talked about. It has a two different genetic programs on, on its body. It has the short, flat-lying, tightly jacketed top part of the what we call the jacket area, which is the top and sides of the neck and torso. And then the skirting underneath that grows more like a long-coated dog. Um, so you have two different genetic, pro- they are both fur, they're both predetermined length. They both grow to a certain length and stop, but the back grows to a shorter length and stops and it has a tighter angle and lay of the coat. And then the skirting underneath is more like, it hangs like more like a Yorkie coat. It's, it, it hangs loosely straight down. Um, so the main thing with uh, any of your breeds like that, Cavaliers, the long, the long coated dachshund, which they call a long coat in, in the breed variety, but um, it is by our grooming 15 coat types list called a flat coat because it has the flat lying back and then the furnishings underneath. How does this affect the way you teach? This, like, do you, do you teach by grouping? And yeah. let me say, You've painted a fantastic uh, scientific classification type picture of coat types with the fur and hair at the top, and then it's spreading out to everything dividing. That's really, I mean, visually. Oh, see, look at that. Barbara's holding up the chart. Barbara has a small copy, a very miniaturized copy of the poster that I printed out because I sent her, I sent her a copy of it. Cool. But basically... I, I, the, the poster can be read either horizontally or vertically. So on, on the horizontal side, you're going to see whether it's undetermined length or predetermined length, hair or fur. And it's also going to have the, the range of from the um, Muller and Kirk's small animal dermatology textbook, the three categories of short, medium, and long. And that has to do with the number of hairs per follicle, the number of follicles per square inch, the ratio of primary hairs to secondary hairs. Um, and that also has to do with product differentiation. So, um, and then, then the 15 coat types is all based on just grooming. So in the uh, category of fur, you have your double coats, your, your short coats, your hairless coats. Hairless is actually a fur type because it grows a certain length and stops as in it doesn't grow, no. <laughs> uh, right? Um, so, and, um, and then all of your, your double coats and all of your wire coats and all of your flat coats, your two kinds of wire coats, the rough and broken, and then the flat coats. Those are all hair that grows to a certain length and stops, okay, on the main torso. Um, then your hair type dogs, your undetermined length dogs are your um, curly coats, and, you know, wavy, the curly wavy, uh, all of those, the long coats. And uh, uh, so like Shih and Yorkies and Maltese, and then uh, your combination coats, uh, which is the big catch-all category. You know, every list you have to have and all the rest at the end. <laughs> and the combination coat is where I primarily talk about doodles because the combination coat is a huge issue for groomers post the last 40 years, you know, I've been around long enough that I remember that doodles weren't uh, the dominant thing. Um, And so it was really clear when you started crossing fur type hair, fur type dogs to hair type dogs, it's the crossing, the deliberate, if you can imagine people deliberately crossing something that won't shed to something that needs to shed, like whose big idea was that? That's not smart because basically you still make undercoat. All of these dogs, you cross a Bernese mountain dog and a poodle to make a Bernadoodle, which is very popular right now. It's still making that undercoat, but it's not allowing it to come out. And so it mats worse than ever. So you don't get the best of both types. You get the worst of both types, which is why a lot of groomers are frustrated with the whole doodle situation because the breeding isn't about it's about money and the cute name and the look of it. It's not about whether or not it was a good idea to cross those different coat types. So um, I'm a purebred dog gal myself. So, so when you teach, you teach the group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I start. I start with a fur versus hair. Like all my bathers who who don't cut cut hair, they just bathe and blow dry. They all have to learn the fur versus hair 
UDL versus PDL right, right off the bat, because it makes a difference in what kind of conditioners you use or when you put the high velocity dryer on the dog in the tub or whether or not you're trying to use a, 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 a blow dryer to assist you in your bathing and de-shedding and brushing out uh, stage, or whether or not you're applying certain kinds of conditioners to the ends of the hair or whatever. So the bathers needed to know that fur versus hair, uh, UDL versus PDL thing. I start there and then we, uh, you know, we just go into the 15 different coat types. It's labeled all of my clients' dogs have their coat type and um, uh, their product use category on, on their cards. Cool. Everybody's hands are shaped differently. Mine certainly are. It can be hard to find the perfect shear, but there is a solution. Evolution shears are fully customizable with fixed ring, single, or double swivels. I like the double swivels best. They are all designed to prevent the repetitive stress injuries that occur as we groom. Evolution uses high-quality materials, and the shears come in curves, straights, thinners, and chunkers. There's a small learning curve, but the staff at Evolution will guide you through. You can put your hands on a pair of Evolution shears at most grooming shows, but if you're not going to a show, go online to evolutionshears.com or call them at 877-560-3057 and buy yourself a pair. Be sure to ask for Chris. She's the cat's pajamas. Ron and Abby are super cool too. But wait, mention the GroomPod when you place your order or put GroomPod in the coupon code on the Evolution website and you'll receive $10 off each pair of shears. How cool is that? And, and where would you put the bearded collie? So that was, you know, it's so great that you asked that, Barbara. <laughs> you, there are some breeds I really, really struggled about, and I would love your opinion on this as well. The breed standard says that the bearded collie is a long double coat. But, you know, it's not a long double coat like a Newfie or a Bernese Mountain Dog. Um, it's, it's, the hair is more like a long coat. Like, think about a Shih Tzu, okay? It, it she, is. She, yes, the sheets is they are a quote unquote long coat by this, you know, by the this uh, really science based description of how the shape hair type dogs all have. Um, you can actually see it um, uh, in the shape of the hair follicle. They have either a kidney bean shaped hair follicle and hair or they have a twisty hair follicle and and ribbon shaped hair or they have a perfectly round hair that comes out very straight out of a very straight follicle. And that long straight hair, like on a, uh, on a Shih Tzu, um, that has a secondary hair. You know, Shih Tzus as opposed to Yorkies. Yorkies are very thin and silky, but like a Shih Tzu has long straight hair as well, but it's got a lot of double coat that is almost as long. That undercoat is almost as long as the primary hair. And as a result, um, you know, you... I had the same problem with the bearded collie. They have a long undercoat. And but they so, have a lot of it. A lot of it. And it is the part of the coat that gives us the most trouble. Yeah. So I actually put them in um, the, the, long, the long coat category in terms of grooming because you can cut them as and not really damage the coat. I didn't want to put them in the, the double coat category because that category is about not shaving them, not cutting them. But you can cut a beardy and not do damage. So that in the end, that will and not do major damage, right? I mean, you don't want to cut anything too short. But um, I put beardies in the long coat category. And I also really struggled with Old English Sheepdog and Bouvier because in, they're really kind of more combination coats than anything. They have some wiriness, they have some massive amounts of undercoat, and they have length of hair, a primary hair. So um, there are dogs like Old English Sheepdog and Bouviers that I put in the combination coat category because they are combined of different coat types. So it's been really fun and interesting actually putting, because when I actually put this a poster that is a one pager now, when I put it into the book form and I've already, I'm halfway through writing the full book on it, I'm going to have a breed list 
uh, of every breed and what 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 its coat type should be um, considered. And that's going to require a lot of conversation. Like I don't know all of this myself. I make a lot of phone calls. Rely on the experts. That's what we do here at the Groom Pod. We even have our own expert. (laughs) Yes, right here. It's so cool. Barbara, anything else you want to ask? No, wait a minute. Let me look at my notes. Okay, you can look at your notes. And then if you don't, we'll... I'll ask Barbara a question. Oh, Oh, okay. Um, So since you were the first person to put the science out there and really make us think about the products and really you differentiate... um, between coat types based on the science of the coat too, not just the products that you are using, right? Uh, yeah. And I, and the, and the condition of the skin. Absolutely. Because the condition of the skin is it, it, got to guide your choice of products. And, you know, like, and I'm evolving and trying to understand what's best for what and struggling with um choose i mean i used to do it uh, a seminar called choosing and using i didn't talk about coat types but now that i have your information i i'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure i'm gonna want to incorporate that well and of um, course every dog is different and, right and every dog is different yeah, and every dog is, different. It is that if you uh, groom a lot of Bichons, for example, you'll find that there is such a range. Yes. Um, and and groom a lot of Westies. They yes. can have a kind of silky long coat, mm-hmm. or it can be a wiry son of a bitch coat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so I always tell people in my seminars, groom the coat that's in front of you. And especially that's true with combination coats. You have to physically evaluate the coat is, you know, what's the texture? What's the undercoat? What's the ratio of the primary to secondary hairs? Um, I think the biggest thing that has, um, that I have really, really enjoyed about this whole process is putting it out there that people just, there's too many groomers that are just shaving and they're using the same shampoo, shave, same shave down, same shampoo, same shave down on every single Single dog. dog. Well, and, and, and that's wrong. And there's a, a model I mean, I had a, a, a friend who worked for me as a bather for six months and then went on to own his own grooming shop. And his father was a groomer. And they were profit-minded, much more than me. And you would use an economy shampoo for everything. Yeah. Uh, unfortunate five gallons of this cheap shit and Mm. they used it on everything Mm. and And likely no conditioner right back then you know Mm. you know the interesting thing that's happened in our industry is that we've gone from not using enough conditioner to using too much conditioner because there are some coat tights that just don't handle every conditioner out there. You right. Know, and you, I, and one could argue that double coats don't need it in the same way and don't need the same the, type. Yeah. And the, the um, and I think from my understanding of human hair, because that's really been my basis. That was the only place I had to go to for my scientific information. So I've learned a little bit about human hair types and especially I follow the conversation about um, black hair type Mm -hmm. because there's a real correlation there. And I've learned about curly hair and how it's more fragile Mm -hmm. and uh, more tendency to dry mm-hmm. because of its fragility. And, uh, you know, the ribbon type hair follicle that makes a ribbon type hair that curls, mm-hmm. that, that is the most easily damaged and broken type of hair. And then one thing that I read was that uh, on a piece, on a curled, hair shaft, 
the inside of the curl is going to have a stronger surface than the outside. On the outside, where it's yeah. Stretched more, it's going to have a more easily damaged surface. Um, so, you know, like I am exploring a lot of that, and and I'm also beginning to gain a greater. I for many years I kind of avoided the skincare thing because I wanted to focus on learning about hair, but now I'm starting to see that that groomers need to learn more about skincare. And I'm well, really, and actually, hair is skin. Skin, right? Hair yeah. is People skin. don't know this, okay. but it's actually hair, hair is actually a direct hair. product of the skin. Yeah. And medically, it's, it is it's considered an appendage. Skin. It's a yeah. an appendage. Listeners of the podcast know this because Barbara has drilled this into our heads. <laughs> you know, I I guess I when I turned to science because it that's where the expert was that's where the facts were and in order to settle to, to provide me with a solid foundation I, I thought that I needed to look at hair science not just hair marketing and hair mythology and there's just so much of those other two M's out there. One of the things that I think um, uh, is frustrating of course is that there's no requirement to be a groomer anywhere. Um, there's just now three cities just in the last year that have finally begun to regulate very basically um, groomers. But grooming is a largely unregulated industry. And there's a whole lot of people who just like animals and want to, you know, pick up, pick up a book and a pair of clippers and call themselves a groomer that don't even know, um, that, for example, why you can't clip a double coated dog. Because of the they because they don't know things like antigen, catagen, telogen. They don't know the growth cycle of the hair follicle. They don't know that in a complex follicle of a double coated or medium coated dog, that they're going to have uh, a lot of undercoat coming in and falling out very quickly on an entirely different growth cycle than those primary hairs, which are the structure of the coat. Um, it's like taking away uh, if you know if you want to remodel your house, uh, it's like taking away everything, including the beams that hold your house up in order to remodel your house when all you really needed to do was just, you know, repaper the walls and fix up a few, you know, knock out a new few carpeters. Yeah, new carpeting. Exactly. So there's a lot of damage being done to dogs uh, because people would just clipper anything because if they couldn't run an easy comb through it, they said, ah, it's matted. That's it. I'm shaving it down. And they don't really, I mean, there's been a lot of animals that have physically suffered, really suffered because of our stupidity. And so that was really my main motivation in getting kind of noisy about this and saying, look, I just really want to put this out there because it concerns me that we don't have agreement as an industry. And this prevents us from being considered a profession. You know, we don't have national norms yet. Uh, and so I'm just one of the voices out there saying, I think we need national norms of uh, the PPGSA movement that, that happened five years ago, um, created national norms for standardizing in sanitation and safety and, and care. And that's the kind of thing we need also for at least the basics of grooming. I'm not going to get into people's art. That's art is art. It's anybody can do it differently, but when it comes to the correct care of the skin and coat, we need to be on the same page as an industry, or we are not a profession. I agree. Okay, cool. Well, this was really exciting. Barbara, I'm afraid your prebiotics eye groom review or preview is going to have oh. to wait until next week. But that's all. Oh, and she brought the bottles and everything. Uh, well, I brought them home so I could get the ingredients off of the label because it's not on the website. And I want to use the products on myself. And I'll give a little tease and say, uh, just to say, I'm very impressed with these products. Oh, okay, cool. Well, I, just one more anecdote from my week that I forgot to tell you. I picked up another couple Westies when I was out on the boat um, 
Oh, some, good. Some neighboring Westies. Yeah, I can't get enough Westies. I love Westies. I do them pretty well. They dry easily in the trailer. You know, I'm good with it. But the irony is I have a lot of pairs of Westies. And the new dogs are Maisie and Maggie. But I also have Murphy and Maddie and Murphy and Maggie. And I get them all confused when I'm trying to, oh, it's horrible. Just pairs of M names in Westyland. I don't know why. Why is Murphy such a popular Westie name? I don't know, but I have two. And it's crazy. And also Maddie and Maggie. Ugh, anyway. Yeah, we have four Gracies. And I scheduled by the dog's name. Yeah. You know, and the other day I had a big Gracie mix up. (laughs) 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 You know, I thought one dog was coming in and it was another one, but at least I didn't have a a clipper dog come in and then it was on the books and then my hand strip came in (laughs) instead. But I clarified that for sure by text. But uh, we have to, and and we have, Lagotos, we have similar names, and I have to, you know, Bell number one and Bell number two. Bella, I guess they are. I praise heavily my owners that use creative naming, like Tater Tot and Junebug. I love them. That's perfect. Nobody else has Tater Tot and Junebug. It's great. It's easy to remember. So, Jennifer, I want you to give me all of the information about where you're speaking, where people can find you, what's coming up next for you. Give it all to me right now. Oh, bless your heart. My website is groomersguide.com. And you can order the poster there under shop, although I'm still working with GoDaddy to change the little font that says, it says pre-order book. And that's what you have to click on to get the poster at this point. But I'm working to change that. I'll try to get that changed. Hopefully before I go to Hershey, which is coming up this week, I will be at the Grim Expo at Hershey. I'm going to be debuting a business class called um, How to uh, Better Your Business by Saying No. And it's about setting standards. It's about being the kind of groomer we talked about here today, where you're saying, I have these, you know, I, I know what I'm doing and this is the right way to do it. And I'm not, I'm not going to do what you're asking me to do if what you're asking me to do hurts the dog. So it's going to be about how to do that nicely and successfully in your business. Um, and then I'm also going to be at um, uh, the New England show in October. Uh, which is right around the time of my birthday. And I'm going to be doing, uh, talking about the 15 coat types and the combination coats, especially there. And then I'm extremely excited about going to Dallas in October 21 to 24. I will be at the Pet Pro Classic with Pam Lauritsen, who, like you, I, I would say of the two people in the most that I just worship the ground you walk on, Pam Lauritsen, Barbara Bird, you guys are like the shoulders on which we stand. Um, I will be at the U.S. Pet Park Pro Classic with, in Dallas, and I'm going to be doing a whole four-hour thing on the coat types. It's going to be the most in-depth version of it, so that'll be really cool. I'm excited about that. Excellent. So, so oh, and every one, Monday night, sorry, one more yeah, thing. Go ahead. Every, every Monday night, the Groomer's Cut, which is the Adara Forleo, Michelle Knowles, uh, Melissa Contadiner, and myself, we have our own little uh, uh, Zoom broadcast. It's, you can access through our Facebook page, the Pet Pro Educators. Uh, the Pet Pro Educators you can find on Monday nights. It's at 7.30 Eastern. We have our own little talk show. So not not nearly Barbara Bird level, but no, we, we try. Oh, no. No, no, <laughs> we try every don't day. Do that. Don't, don't, don't put me up there. Yeah, don't get, she'll, never, she'll never get out of the room. Her head will be so big. <laughs> Listen, I wanted, what, what I didn't get to talk to you about today that I want to talk to you about is why, why do you think that most animal grooming tools are metal and most human hair tools avoid metal? Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's actually on my coat types poster, those short category coats, no metal tools is written on my poster. You don't use metal tools on anything short and actually, um, curly, curly. you know, yeah, I, you know, I mean, th- you're breaking, this, you're th- breaking hair. Yeah. This, this slicker brush does it all thing drives me insane. It does break coat. Yeah. There's no question. Because those tiny little fins 
are going to chip away. It's not going to just do it in one grooming, but the more you groom a coat, it, it let's say you're working on a, ah, a bearded collie. Mm-hmm. That coat is a lifetime coat. Mm-hmm. And the more you pick away at the slicker brush to get that undercoat out, the mm-hmm. more you're breaking up the cuticle scales on the primary hairs and damaging the coat and causing more entanglement of the hairs. And, yeah. and But groomers are just obsessed and they'll buy the $80 Chris Christensen curved slicker brush when maybe they should be using the $20 Pinello hybrid brush comb, which is a miracle tool that doesn't damage coat. Mm. Yeah. And, and, or, and just even plastic pin brushes or the can, can be very pin. effective. The, when I, yeah, when I, I use plastic pin, brush. I use, I use the wet brush. I use the wet brush with the pad and I use the wet brush that's uh, the pins are just like inserted right into the plastic base, no pad, and they're vented. That's really good doodle brush. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, I just feel that metal tools came to grooming from the barn <laughs> because grooming started in the barn and in the kitchen, mm-hmm. you know, and for, for everybody that was groomed in the barn, they used the carding tool that they used on to card the wool of the sheep. That was the beginning of the slicker brush. They used rakes and stuff that they used on livestock and, um, and horses. And those tools got, translated into the the grooming go-to tools. Whereas in human hair care, something like my hair, I would, my hairdresser would never use a metal tool. Mm -hmm. It creates static electricity. It, you know, like there's just a dozen reasons. But anyway, I guess I, I proposed it as a conversation and then I just said it all in my know-it-all Freaking way. <laughs> no, that's that. <laughs> it, it, it is amazing to me the number of of uh, just just the way that groomers don't know that there are options. They just do what everybody else is doing. It's and and actually, uh, you're right. It metal breaks hair. Yeah. Thank you. We love our sponsors like show season. Let me tell you about my favorite show season products. True Tearless is a hypoallergenic scent-free shampoo that really cleans and never ever leaves a fragrance. Pair it with the hypo conditioner and you have a winning smell-free combination. Results Rinse is an after-bath rinse that lightly conditions and protects without adding any weight to scissored coats. It aids in drying time and it helps with brush outs too. Show Season carries Barbara's Essential Oil Blends and Mellow Pet Shampoo, Blueberry Products, Delicious Colognes, Hemp Products, a Feline Line, Spa and Natural Options, and so much more. You can find Show Season animal products at all shows and through lots of distributors like Cascade Grooming Supplies. And you can check out all their products at their website, thebestpetshampoo.com, or call 678-382-0218. Make every season a show season. Well, Jennifer, we cannot thank you enough for coming on the show and entertaining us for a whole hour. It's awesome. I love it when we don't have to do anything else at school. I'll just uh, package it up and send it out into the Internet. And, uh, yeah, Barbara, oh, tell me one more time what your website is. Groomersguide.com. There we go. That's where you can find the poster and your traveling schedule and maybe contact you if they need to. And there's also a great Groomers Guide Facebook group that any groomer is invited to. They just have to prove to me they're a groomer and they can get into it. And we do a lot of discussion of science and education. I'm going to be pushing your new uh, version of your book, the new printing of your book, Barbara. Oh, thank you. Well, it's not a new version. Don't 
Don't no, I mean, me. it's a new, got a, a new printing. It's a, a new, new printing. printing. Right. It's a, and it's been out of print and unavailable, except every now and then I would put a book together to send to some desperate person. And I, I've actually been doing, um, uh, what do you call it, PDF version. I've been sending to some desperate people. But I'm, I'm this is, book is much more attractive and functional as a book than any of the home printing that I've done over the years. I want you to um, share with me how to get that brush too. Oh, the Pinello brush? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, we will. Are you in our, the Green Pod discussion group? Yes. Yeah, it's on that feed. Okay, see, I will go scroll down a little bit. And right now I am linking up Barbara's book on our feed as well so you guys can find that at the groom pod uh facebook page facebook.com slash group slash the groom pod and barbara i think it was a perfect day what fun i had with jennifer thanks so much for joining us will you come back anytime you guys I, i i absolutely am very very grateful excellent well guys have a great week grooming and as usual we will be back again next time. All right, guys. Happy grooming. See you next week. Bye-bye. Take care of yourselves. Bye. Bye.